0-1. Good morning. Get my stuff here ready. How are you? Well, thank you all. All of you that wore a jersey, thank you. Those of you who forgot, that's fine. Don't worry about it. But uh, we are glad that you're here. I um, just tell you real, real quick, real quickly. I um, my blood pressure. Most people have real high blood pressure if they got a problem. Mine is so low, like it was 84 over 48. Yeah, yeah, yeah. ooh, yeah. So just just now, I bent over to pick up my paper I dropped, and it went even. I could feel it. So if I do this a little bit, don't don't worry about it. It's probably the blood pressure. If you have your bulletin and you are today a guest with us, we'd love to have you please fill out the registration and drop that in the offering plate when it comes around a little bit later. Uh, youth tonight, of course, they have a Super Bowl party. For those of you that have youth, would love to have them come and, and be a part of that. It starts at 6 rather than 5, so we'd love to have you. Next Sunday is our membership class. If you've not taken that, we'd love to have you. Right after the second service, we go over to the other building, have a nice lunch, and then about an hour and 15 or 20 minutes. And, and um, so we'd love to have you come, be a part of that. And then again, we try to update our information. If, if you have changed addresses or anything like that, we'd love for you to please hit that little... Uh, QR code. QR. I want to say quality. Is that, is that what it stands for? Quick. Quick. Quick reference. Quick reference. Anyway, <laughs> scan that little thing or go on our line or, or whatever. But um, we'd love to have your updated information, uh, especially like email. So when I send an email to the whole church, you'd get it. All right, enough said. Stand, welcome somebody around you to church.
Jesus, we are so thankful that when every else, everything else seems to be falling apart, God, we can trust that you're just putting things into place. This morning we worship you because you are that God. The song that we used to sing as kids, you got the whole world in your hands. We know that is so true because you are such a, an amazing, loving, powerful, sovereign God. This morning as we take up our tithes and offerings, we pray you use it, bless it for your kingdom, for your glory. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. They say sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some. And right now, right now I'm losing back. I've stood on this stage night after night, reminding the broken it'll be alright. But right now, nothing to bring me down But what will I say when I'm held to the flame like I am
Well, if you take your sermon notes out, we're beginning today a brand new series that I, as I told you, I am so excited about. Um, it, each sermon will stand by itself. So if you miss a Sunday or two, you know, it's okay. Each sermon will stand alone. But we're doing, I'm going to be going through the book of 1 Corinthians and there, there is so much in there for us to learn as an individual, uh, an individual in your family, in your church, and in our culture. And so having said that, we're going to jump right in today with Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. So if you have your Bibles or your uh, devices that you want to follow along, that's where we'll be. Paul's letter, and some of this I'm sure that you, you probably don't know, so I want to introduce a little bit. Paul's letter to the church at Corinth was kind of like a, a calming voice for them. Things at the church in Corinth were, to say the least, they were in turmoil. And Paul sets up the gospel, and when I use that word, gospel, I'm talking about the word of God. Amen? You got that? I'm talking about the good news. That's what the word gospel means. Good news about what we learn in the Bible. And so Paul is saying, look, for all the troubled waters that you're going through, the gospel is what you need to cut through all the mess. So let me give you a little bit about this church in Corinth to kind of help set this up. Paul had started this church um, on his first missionary journey. Acts 18, you can read about that if you want to read the story. Corinth was one of the most up-and-coming cities of the Roman Empire. If you can picture the, the, the uh, nation of Greece, down where the capital Athens is at, right across from a little bit of the water is Corinth. It was growing. It was becoming more important. It actually was more important than even Athens at that time. Corinth had a beautiful port where the big boats and everything would come in. So it was an economic um, powerhouse, and it was a destination for people who were taking vacations. It attracted young, upward, mobile people from all over the empire. Now, you may not know this. The Romans had a, a road that they built that you could go anywhere in the empire. They, I mean, they had un an unbelievable system. And so this is the kind of city Apple and Amazon and Verizon were thinking of moving there. <laughs> See if you're listening still. But they were really big into sports, the Corinthian games you may have heard about. It was a very cosmopolitan, young, diverse city. There were dozens of temples where they would worship the gods of the Greeks and the gods of the Romans. That was very popular to do. Now, Paul had lived in this city for about a year and a half, and he had led a whole bunch of these people to come to know the Lord as their Savior, turning from their sin to the Lord. When you read the first few verses, you'll find out he loved this church. 
He told them, you've got everything you need. God has blessed you. You've got everything that you need, but there's some issues, some problems. After he left, Paul started getting reports that this young church he had started in Corinth wasn't doing that well. So he started seeing things. I mean, he's on Facebook and he's on um, chat and Instagram and all that. And he's concerned in five major areas. Are you with me? This is what we're going to cover for weeks, maybe months to come. The five major areas that Paul covers and is concerned in. Now, you understand that these people that got saved for Corinth came out of different backgrounds. Some were Jews who had a religion. They had an understanding of obeying God. Then there were others who, they didn't have any religion. They were pagans. They lived wild in that city. They were coming into the church. So there were five big areas that were problems. One of them, I want you to write these down. Then we'll get into the scripture. There were lots of divisions in the church of Corinth. I'm going to get you to write pretty fast because I'm going to move pretty fast. There, there was um, factions, and we'll see that today. Now, Paul dealt with that. Is that up there? Can you see it? They were confused about divisions. No, number two, we're not world number one. Concerned about divisions. Lots of, there we go, lots of divisions. Chapters one through four, Paul is going to cover that. Secondly, they had sex and romance confusion, to put it mildly, if you've ever read about what was going on in the church. Now, you might expect that in a city of a bunch of young people came, coming out of a culture of, 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 of immorality. But here's the thing. Sexual sin was happening in the church, and they were having an issue with that. And a lot of the members were like, they came out of the world, were like, Paul, what's the big deal? I mean, everybody in Corinth seems to be okay with this. So in chapters 5, 6, and 7, Paul is going to dish out a lot of truth about sex, marriage, singleness, divorce, and so on. We'll, we'll, we'll get there. Third, there was a lot of differences and, uh, and, and tension over conviction on what a Christian could and could not do, what, what they could and could not do, specifically whether they could eat meat that had been offered to idols. Now, you say, what's the big deal there? All right, folks, can I get your attention? Are you with me? Outside Crystal River here, maybe about two miles, let's say there's a church there, a religion. And a part of their religion is they sacrifice cows, which they, some do. And yet, in order to do that, they wanted the absolute best, perfect, it had to be a perfect cow. They fed it special. I mean, and, and part of their ritual, that's what they did. But then they would take that good meat, I mean, the best meat around, and they would sell it and put it in the market for sale. Now, how many of you would feel okay saying, hey, no big deal to me? How many would be okay buying that meat, the best meat around? At a very discount price. Come on, raise your hand. How many of you be willing? All right. How many of you say, I would not because of what the, the way they were doing that? Well, not many, but some of you. Well, anyway, that was the problem they were having. Boy, y'all like red meat, don't you? Boy. 
Well, they, they were having a problem there. You say, well, how does that relate to us today? Well, what about if we have differences of opinion on how to educate and raise our children or whether we should drink alcohol or not or whether we should get vaccinated or wear a mask? Are you with me? So they, they, they had different, different disagreement what they could and couldn't do. Number four, their church services were very confusing, chaotic. You say, well, really? What was happening? People were interrupting the church service. Hey, uh, preacher, I got a word from the Lord. The Holy Spirit wants me to say something, you know, and it was causing all kind of confusion. And if you didn't let them, well, they're quenching the spirit in that church. They're not letting the spirit have free will. And people were just talking out in tongues, just, you know, speaking out in tongues. Um, It felt like a madhouse. So in chapters 11, 12, 13, and 14, Paul is going to lay out some guidelines to how to let the Holy Spirit work the right way in a church. And then the fifth thing that we'll cover in the months to come, there are people that were saying the resurrection didn't really happen. The resurrection wasn't real. It wasn't physical. Jesus didn't really come back to life. They were having a problem with that. And Paul's going to correct that in chapter 15. Now, are you with me? We've got all that as a great background. A little bit more than we're going to get into the scripture. In discussing all of these five problems, Paul is going to follow a certain pattern. He defines the problem that they've got and then leads them to see that problem, write it down, through the lens of the gospel. He takes whatever's going on and makes the word of God, the truth of the word of God, the guideline. Folks, this is the basic, if you want to get your mind around Paul's basic way of of talking to people, it was this. He would say, you take whatever is broken in your spiritual life and you apply the gospel to it and you're going to be all right. You got that? Because that is exactly what he did. Folks, the, the, the truth, the gospel truth is that all of us in this room, we stood hopelessly condemned before God. But God in his grace and his mercy and his love sent his only son to earth to die for us and to rise for us. And that is the message of the gospel. And Paul is saying, if you'll get that, you got it. And apply it to your spiritual sickness. So what we're going to do is walk through these five sections of Paul's letter. We're going to spend maybe two to three Sundays on each one of them. Because, are you listening? Honestly, what Paul said to these folks could be written about churches today. Here. Even Gulf to Lake Church. Not so much as others, as I'll explain to you, but they could. So we're going to be looking at that. Um, we have been, and I want you to know this, we have been so blessed here over the years. I mean really blessed. We have, we have had an overwhelming majority of people who agree on the basics We may have some differences on other things, but they agree on the the basic things of the gospel. But sometimes people in any church, we still have divisions. You know, you say, Gulf to Lake? Yeah, 
Well, you say, well, preacher, I've never seen that. I've never noticed that. Well, you, for instance, you, if, if you were in one of our small groups, I would probably bet that subjects come up that y'all have a difference of opinion about. You ought to be here on Wednesday nights. I teach on Wednesday night. The last couple of Wednesday nights, it was very apparent. There's differences of opinion, even in households um, of what, of, of these convictions that we were talking about. Now, I want you to listen because we're going to follow this. I am not, I'm not talking about minor disagreements. I'm not talking about junior varsity stuff. I, I'm not talking about whether Michael Jordan is better than LeBron or Larry Bird is better than LeBron, which by the way, they both were. Um, I'm not, I had to get that in there. I'm not talking about chick, uh, choosing Chick-fil-A over Popeye's or choosing Toby Keith over Taylor Swift, which you should do also. <laughs> so you say, well, preacher, how about this thing you were, you were talking about, sexual confusion and sexual sin in a church? Is that present in churches today? You better believe it. You just don't know what we know. You don't hear some of the things that, that we hear. Um, preacher, um, are there people that, that really believe that the church services should be different and more wild? And, and Well, once in a while that happens. Now, some of you may look at, look at uh, what I just shared with you, those five things, and say, man, you know, pastor, it sounds like that church in Corinth was pretty messed up. In fact, I'm not sure that's the kind of uh, church that I wanted to be a part of. Well, that's the whole message today. And you're telling me, Pastor Lloyd, that what we read about that church in Corinth is true of even churches in Citrus County and even to a, a little bit of a degree, Gulf to Lake? Absolutely. You may look at that and, and, and look at that list and say, wow, are you listening to me? This is a vital message for the rest of the series. We are trying to reach people who don't know the Lord. And the people out in this culture today are just like the people in the culture of Corinth. They've got all kinds of issues. And we're trying to reach them. We're trying to, to bring them into the church. And whenever you bring people now, you see, just like them, sometimes there are people who come to Gulf to Lake and they've got a, a, a religious background. You know, they, they, they know something about church services and how you act and how you don't act. But then there are some, believe it or not, they never went to church. And they, they, they come and the Lord touches their heart. And here's what I'm trying to say. When you reach people who are lost, when you reach the lost sheep out there, they come into your church smelling like sheep. You with me? And once in a while, they may leave things on the floor that you don't want to step in, figuratively speaking. But folks, if it means that we're reaching people for the Lord, which would you rather have? Tim Keller, 
great pastor, passed away last year, pastored in New York City. He said, he said this, there are two kinds of problems that churches have. I want you to write this down. He said, there are living problems and there's dying problems. There's living problems and there's dying problems. The church is trying to reach unchurched people who are bringing in all their issues. So they come into church, they got saved, trusted the Lord, but they haven't learned about politics yet. They haven't learned, about, you know, maybe everything about the boundaries that are set and how to talk and how to behave. Folks, if you listen, talk to Pastor Chris of our Upward Sports Ministry and, and find out about these families that we're reaching through basketball, our Upward Basketball, and some of the things that you have to deal with every now and then. Some of the things you hear. That you, and you got to call people aside and, and get it corrected. Uh, one time, this is about 13 years ago, had a guy that uh, I, I asked him to give a testimony here as part of my sermon, about a one or two minute testimony uh, at the right time. And he gets up and of course, I talked to him ahead of time and said, now, I'd like to know what you're going to say, you know, basically, and, and you know, da, 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 da. It was, all sounded good. Well, he got up and he started talking and about halfway through, he said something about da, 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 and that sucks. Oh, oh whoa. You know, and, and because I didn't tell him that, that, you know, we don't, we don't, we don't say that, you know, in church. In Bayfield, Colorado, I led a man in his kitchen to the Lord. He trusted, he prayed right there, crying, he was so happy. And he said, preacher, I'm so happy, let's drink to it. And I thought, well, you know, Paul said, I become all things to all men. And no, I didn't, I didn't really do that. I didn't do that. The other was true, but I didn't do that. So there's living problems. And then there's dying problems. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, a church that is dying, instead of being fishers of men, they're keepers of the aquarium. Did you understand what that means? And so the fish in there, when they die off, there's nobody else coming in. And we need to be fishers of men. And when you do that, you're going to have living problems and you're going to have to deal with things ever now and ever then. You don't want, listen, I don't want to be a Christian country club. We don't want to be that. So which kind of a church would you want to be a part of? A church with living problems or dying problems? What would you rather have? I believe living. You believe that? Say amen. amen. All right. Now, Scripture, halfway through, now maybe a little more than halfway through. Today, we're going to jump right in to the first problem, and that is the problem of division. Here's what Paul says in verse 10, chapter 1. Now I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree on what you say so that there be no divisions among you. 
This is Paul's premise, his thesis statement, if you will. For the first four chapters at least, maybe the whole book, notice in this verse, he brings in and invokes the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He had the power of the apostle. When he spoke, it was, it was the Holy Spirit speaking through him. But even then, he invokes the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, his authority. Let there be no factions. Let there be no divisions. Agree. Again, he's not talking about minor things that I, I shared with you, but the major things that you're saved by grace through faith, that we've all sinned. We're all condemned to hell unless we turn to Jesus and that he's coming again and we better be ready. Those are the things that he said, I want you to all agree on what you say about it. Now, you say, Pastor, then what kind of divisions exactly were there in the Corinthian church? Well, remember, a group came out of Judaism, so they had a religion. They just needed to know about Jesus now, that your Messiah is here. Then there's others, they were pagans. They came out of nothing, and they're all in the same church. So, you write this down, two main areas. Some of the divisions were theological, biblical, if we would say, theological in nature. They were divided on things like, well, what do you do about the Old Testament laws? Hey, we were Jews. We're still Jews. We're just now believing in Christ. So we're, we're Messianic Jews. So what do we do? We still believe in the commandments. We still believe in, um, at, uh, you know, adhering to some of these ceremonies. What should we do? Then there's another group. I don't want nothing to do with that. I want to be free. You know, the Bible says we're free in Christ. And so I don't want to do any of that. So now there's a problem there. How do they interact? Theological. Number two, well, let's, no, let me, do I want to do two yet? Yes. Some were personality driven. Some were theological. Some were personality. Let's read. You write that down. Let's read verse 11 and 12. For it has been reported to me. So, see, they wrote a letter to Paul. A lady named Chloe wrote a letter, said, Paul, here's what's going on. He said, it has been reported to me about you, my brothers and sisters, that there is rivalry among you. One of you says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, that was Peter, or I belong to Christ. You see what they're doing? See what they're doing, what people can do today? Hey, I'm a, I'm a Charles Stanley guy. Hey, hey, I'm David Jeremiah guy. Hey, you know, I'm, you know, and everybody's got somebody. So some were like, hey, I'm a Paul guy. I mean, I'm on Paul's team. I mean, he is so theological. He is a great teacher. Yeah, the other guy said, yeah, that's, that's, that's nice, but he's boring. You know, he's very boring. And Paul even said he was boring. Yeah, by the way, did you, uh, did you hear about that usher that was seating people when a little old lady came in and she asked if she could be seated right down on the front row? And the usher was walking with her and he got quiet and he leaned over and said, ma'am, I wouldn't recommend that. He said, our pastor is so boring. And he'll surely put you to sleep. 
you don't want to be on the front row because then everybody will see you fall asleep in front of them. She said, young man, do you know who I am? He said, no, I'm the pastor's mother. <laughs> no. And he looked at her and said, do you know who I am? She said, no. He said, thank God. He went headed to the back of the, <laughs> the thing there. <laughs> yeah. Some like Paul, you know. That was Paul. Paul had a preaching style evidently that only a mother could love. So these people were like, hey, no, man, I'm an Apollos guy. Apollos was a great preacher. I mean, he could keep people's attention, but he didn't have quite the theological knowledge yet. So there was a couple named Aquila and Priscilla, a man and wife, and they trained him and Paul helped to train him. But at the first, Apollos didn't have that knowledge. But man, he was a great, great, excellent, excellent speaker. So now you got people, hey, I'm team Paul. No, I'm team Apollos. Yeah, well, you stink. No, you stink. You know, that's, they, were, they were having divisions. Yeah, Paul's boring. I don't know if you know this or not, but if you went to, I believe, Acts 20, he was preaching one time, and he kept preaching so long that a young boy named Eutychus fell out of a third-story window. No, fell asleep. Killed him. Paul had to go down and touch him, bring him back to life. So they're saying Paul uh, to these people, hey, what good is your Paul theology if you're killing people in the church? You know, that's no good. There was another group that they felt that way about Peter. And they said, well, no, we're on Peter's team. I mean, Peter walked with the Lord Jesus for three years. I mean, everything he says is firsthand. And then there was another group. Well, I don't belong to any of those. I'm a Jesus-only guy. I belong to Christ and him alone. Well, sometimes, folks, um, those people can be the most arrogant group of people in your church because it's like, well, just feed me. Give me the details. Give me the Greek interpretation. How does this you know, line up with the Hebrew? This last week, Tuesday, um, every day it comes on, on uh, Moody Radio 91.9 at 1 o'clock. His name is Chris Brooks. And Chris Brooks comes on, and last Tuesday, they were talking about a lady that had written a book on this subject of um, uh, deconstruction. It's a whole thing about people that are leaving church and, and, and not going back to church. They interviewed a guy that called in. They, they allowed people to call in. And this man called in, and he said, boy, he said, you know, I haven't been to church in 30 years. He said, I've, I've found that Jesus is all I need. And if I'm out in the boat or if I'm out in the yard or whatever, that's all I need. I don't need the church because when I was there, I got hurt there. I wanted them so badly. That they were nice. I know why they did it. I wanted them so badly to say, well, you know what? That's I'm glad. And yes, you're right. You can worship Jesus anywhere. But here's what the Bible says. Here's what it says about you being with other believers and not forsaking that. And, but they, they didn't do that. So you've always got the, the, that, that knowledge people. Hey, just, just give me the details. Give me the deep theology. You know, I don't really care about anything else. Just feed me. You know, it's kind of like some of you that were raising a baby, some of you that are raising a baby. You put them in a high chair, put a bib on them, and sometimes they don't want to eat what you put there. And they flip it off the, <laughs> off the uh, high chair onto the floor. That kind of reminds me of people 
like that, that, well, you didn't give me enough meat today, you know, and so, so I don't like it. Had someone, this was not three months ago, four months ago, someone, I'm using that because I don't want to say the gender, um, just in case they're here. No, I, I, I know that's not true. I know that's not true. Totally out of state. And I introduced myself right back there, two people, man and wife. And this person told me three times in less than a minute, I'm a godly man. I'm a godly man. And I wanted to say, well, I'm not such a godly man. Um, you know, what are you basing that on? But I didn't. But I could tell right then, and, 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 and then here's the statement. And I'll check everything you say in the Bible. You know, today when you preach, I'm going to check everything you say. I said, good, good, good. I hope you do that. That's the kind of people I'm talking about. that are Bible knowledge people. Then there's another group in a church. And I'm telling you the truth about some things that you may not have heard. There's the people that, no, we're an experienced person. What do you mean by that? Well, I want to go to church. And man, if I don't get goosebumps at some point during the worship or at some point in the sermon, and if people aren't falling out and falling down and, you know, and rolling and that kind of thing, um, then I don't believe it was a spirit-filled sermon at all. Then there's the take care of the church body person. You know, those are the, hey, man, I'm just into the church. You know, I'm in, uh, we need Bible studies going on everywhere all the time. And then there's the evangelism person. no. You know, man, we ought to be, people ought to be flooding down the aisles every Sunday getting saved. You know, just, I want to be an evangelism person. And then there's those that, hey, I'm, I'm, a, I'm more of a social justice person. We got a lot of those today, right? Out there in the world. Thank God we don't have many here, but there may be some, you know. Um, only thing I care about is that the church looks like a rainbow up on the stage. You know, red, yellow, black, and white. God loves them all. I know that. Are you listening? Because I'm closing now. I'm closing. That wasn't meant to be funny. I don't know why. I set you up, I guess. But this is so important what I'm going to say in the next two minutes. It is vital to, to hear and to know. There is truth in all of those things we just mentioned. There is some truth there. And a gospel-loving church tries to pursue those. I want to be able to speak to you and give you deeper things that you maybe didn't know. I want there to be you to, you, you to at times during the service, have a good feeling and an experience about it. We want you to feel connected to people. We want you to want people to get saved, to see people get saved. That, there's nothing wrong with that. Now, are you with me? There is nothing wrong with any of you who may be particularly attracted to one of those special areas. It might be part of God's gift to you. But what's wrong in a church is when those preferences are accompanied by a spirit of division. 
Did you get that? When that preference has a spirit that causes division, separation, and self-righteousness. Next Sunday, Paul's going to give us four corrections to those things that we just talked about. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the privilege, the awesome privilege of speaking your word. It's exciting to me. It's comforting to me. It's challenging to know what to say and what not to say. But we just lean on you and that your Holy Spirit will take over. Now, Lord, we're beginning one of your books. 1 Corinthians and there's a lot of things you tell us in there that we want to learn and we want to know and we started today by knowing that when we reach people for you they're going to come in from the world that has beat them to death stained them with sin and even though we lead them to you for cleaning and forgiveness inside sometimes it takes a while for the outside to catch up we ask and pray that you help us to be people who want to have a living church and not just keepers of the aquarium If you've never given your life to Christ, we're gonna mention that probably every Sunday. If you've never surrendered your heart, if you don't know for sure sitting there today that if you were to die tonight, that you'll be in heaven, pray from your heart right now and ask Jesus to come in doesn't matter about your preferences on these things we talked about right now. What matters is that your soul is forgiven and saved and you're ready for heaven. Would you do that? Would you please do that? And we would just beg you and love to have you let us know. We'd love to have your name so we can say thank you. Just to love on you and rejoice with you. That's what we want to do. So we thank you. Amen. Let's stand and sing a little bit before we go. Jesus Some pro-
Thank you all. Have a great, great day. Hope your team wins.